0: This is Performance Delivered, Insider Secrets for Digital Marketing Success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel.
1: Welcome to the Performance Delivered, Insider Secrets for Digital Marketing Success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. The topic for today's episode is a CEO's view of marketing partnerships. Here to speak with me is John Harlow. Was a member of the board of advisors at WP Advisory, a company that provides management consulting services to middle market companies. Advisor WP is differentiated by its industry and client focus, the significant expertise of its team members, and its boutique size. John is a seasoned CEO and consulting leader with notable experience in strategic and operating direction delivering revenue, margin, and profit growth in startup growth and turnaround environments. He's a change agent whose extensive experience demonstrates a history of successfully integrating business solutions and taking each organization to next level of performance.
0: John, welcome to the show. Well, Stefan, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to talk about these important topics. Of course.
1: Well, John, before we explore today's topic, I would like to find out more about you. Tell our listeners about how you got started in your career and, and how did you end up where you are currently?
0: Sure. I'm happy to. Let me frame this by saying that from the beginning of my career, uh, I've always seen marketing as everybody's job in the company. I, I'm actually very passionate about that every person is involved in some touch point, represents the brand. And that's how I just how I grew up. And I believe that that's at the essence of any great company, that we're all marketers. For me, though, my journey to the marketing uh, suite, if you will, or, or area was a long one. I uh, spent uh, many years as a chief operating officer with some small to mid-sized businesses, ended up as a COO and VP of operations for some very large world-renowned brands with superior uh, marketing functions. And I uh, saw it as a great opportunity to really dig in and learn how those world-class marketers focused on the important outcomes of marketing campaigns, branding, etc. So I would say that I spent 15 or 20 years as an operator, but learning how marketers really make a difference for a brand. Where this paid off later in my career, about 10 or 15 years ago, I became a CEO of a retail company and also a med spa chain, and found it invaluable the experience I had at the bigger brands to really partner and be part of the marketing team to bring the vision and mission to life. Uh, I saw it as my primary job, frankly, to fully engage with our offer, the value proposition, the marketing team to really not only tell the story externally, but internally. And I will tell you, the last 10 to 15 years engaging with marketing teams has been a heck of a lot more fun than uh, just the operations side. So uh, I'm a newcomer. It was a long journey, but uh, I'm really happy and engaged to be uh, you know, part of this conversation. And, and my hope is that, you know, people, even if people can reflect on one or two ideas from this podcast to take back to their, uh, their organizations, then it'll be worth it for everybody.
1: Well, you know, John, effective marketing requires an aligned holistic approach with meaning and clarity of purpose. What are some successful strategies for effective marketing?
0: So for me, uh, my belief, I'm a believer in, first of all, I'm very passionate about consumer research and consumer insight. Uh, I believe that whatever business a business is in, really studying the consumer, whether it's through tracking studies, to understand the attributes of what matters to the consumer, to consistently land and deliver the brand promise and value proposition is really what it's all about. Uh, I. I call this and this is just my own framework. I'm a you know I have a notion that great ideas are often lost through poor execution. There's tons of great ideas and then you wonder why they don't materialize and often it's because the execution uh, failed at some level. And so I I have a a saying or a framework that I use. I call it the 3 Cs of digital marketing. It's my execution framework the first piece of it is being consumer-centric, really studying and prioritizing behaviors, preferences, solely focused on efficacy and the value to make sure that all messaging is focused on being aligned to being customer-centric. So that's my my first C. Number two is conversion, a focus on r- higher levels of conversion every period, every quarter, every year. I've experienced a lot of businesses, especially in digital marketing, that look to populate the top of the funnel with a high volume of leads. And what I found is that dilutes conversion, it adds costs throughout the sales pipeline. So a conversion focus to me is about being singular focus around lead quality. How do we optimize channels? How do we make sure that the the funnel is really productive and the metrics continue to grow and to set the priorities? of the marketing team and the digital approach within a conversion focus. And the last piece of it is is always challenging because there's cross-functional discussions across any leadership team is the notion of continuous improvement, which is the third C. My belief is that all marketers and executives really need to focus on being a student of balanced scorecards and metrics so that the experience that a customer, client, or guest has, as well as the channel and funnel performance are continually improving and growing and there's a higher return for marketing spend. And my my belief is to do that, the leadership team needs to be solely focused on... Uh, needs to be very open to testing, validating tests, refining them before they launch them, and frankly, as important to be patient and deliberate with setting success criteria Just because uh, a test didn't work in any given week or month doesn't mean that it might not be the right thing to do. So I encourage people to then go back to the first C to see if the execution strategy is customer centric, is truly driving lead quality, and continues to fuel continuous improvement across uh, the digital marketing framework. So that's John Harlow's view of this. The three C's, I believe, help create a healthy digital marketing approach. And frankly, allow the business to continue to grow. Yeah. I love your notion about lead quality.
1: I mean, that's something we hear at Symphonic Digital. I don't want to say preach, but because preach might be the wrong word, but when we talk to companies that have a lead focus, you know, as, as kind of a goal for their marketing activities, I quite often say to them, you know, do you like to have 100 leads that convert at 1% or 50 leads that convert at 4%? Because I think there is too much of a focus on on just getting more leads in without really looking at do more of the same leads actually add to the bottom line. Because that's what it is at the end of the day. right? If, if you do not generate new business, don't get new logos in, then the more leads don't do anything for you. The only thing it does probably is create additional money because you have to have an additional salespeople to work for all the leads.
0: That's 100%. Interestingly, uh, I was part of a company that experienced uh, wonderful growth with some digital campaigns. And we actually reduced our leads per month by about 50%, but grew our conversion 3x and were able to deliver a 20% comp over the course of a year. My experience is that when you solely focus on lead volume, if you have a contact center, call center, or sales teams, you're a, making their job much more difficult. And if they're incented in some way, it's harder for them to have a win-win attaining their incentives. And then it can disengage the sales team. And so uh, my belief is there's an optimal lead quality in every business. And finding that is a really big deal because it improves uh, not only the funnel, but the pipeline. And I believe the credibility that you have with your customer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, John, in order to run marketing successfully, there's some form of investment required, whether it is human capital or money. How do you develop and sync the marketing plan with the financial model of a business?
0: So uh, first and foremost, I I look at the success. I'm a believer in in top-down, bottom-up approaches on these things. So um, when the financial plan is set for the business in terms of sales and margin, targets. I always reverse engineer the dollars and ratios for marketing by channel and by subcategory within marketing, uh, first and foremost. And so the way I do do this is once those targets have been set, I then work with the team to think through what are the campaigns, approaches, etc., That we will need to run to optimize the dollars that are spent. And frankly, as important, more important than sales is the margin component. My belief is that value and pricing optimization should be uh, part of that exercise. And so when we get to a place where we've optimized it, if it allows us to really attain our targets based on the campaigns and initiatives that have been planned out then we're set. If not, candidly, we then go back to the drawing board, not only within marketing, but within other functions to see if there's funding needed. Uh, My belief is when you're trying to continue to grow and improve a business, finding costs and funding mechanisms as far away from the customers as you can is a great starting point and probably the appropriate one. And doing this in a way that you build a budget that's financially sound, aligned with the initiatives that matter for the business, and really deliver the message you want to to your target consumer. Now, in order to
1: maintain budgets or expend budget, it is important to show marketing effectiveness. What is your view on measuring marketing effectiveness to be able to merchandise results internally?
0: So I look at it at three levels, Stefan. Uh, I mentioned from a budgeting perspective, obviously sales and margin uh, growth. But once the once the campaign or the year has started. I am passionate about making sure that we, A, from a top-down perspective, are delivering consistently the sales and margin target plans that we've put forth. Uh, I think, first and foremost, that has to fuel the engine. But within that, really taking a look by channel. There's always an ROI over all channels that any business is looking for. But really looking by uh, digital channel to make sure that we each... Each channel is pulling their share, if you will, to deliver the overall ROI. And I see companies do that in a number of different ways. I only do it through sales attribution, quite frankly. I, I'm not sure how to do that in, in a financially focused way without having a sales attribution reporting uh, tool within your within your channels. And then last is uh, the funnel. I mentioned the quality of leads, the conversion rates. I believe that Really understanding the levers within the funnel, being able to have initiatives that drive each category within the funnel is absolutely paramount to the bottom-up delivery of the top-down numbers within the channels, as well as uh, sales and margin.
1: Now, can you talk a little bit more about the attribution part? I mean, these days, still, a lot of companies look at first-click versus last-click, or first-click or last-click, basically. How do you approach more Holistic approach across all the marketing um, to decide whether you know investment on the on the upper funnel. If we just think about a static, you know, like awareness, consideration, and action funnel, that investments on the on the top and on the middle are actually driving people down to the action point, but also driving people down that have the right quality,
0: right. A couple, a couple of things. I see this at really a two-level, Stefan. Depending upon the nature of the campaign uh, or the approach that we're, you're, you're trying to, the outcome that you're, you're seeking, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example from a past life. Uh, w- at one point in my career, I ran a med spa chain, and, and we launched a very, uh, very successful uh, laser hair removal device across the business. And so that was the first time we tried to move just solely outside of the digital world. And we actually launched some TV, cable TV, OTT, to be able to broaden the brand awareness. And, and what we learned from that, and it actually requ- required that we be incredibly nimble to do this, we found that all boats rose when we had TV and radio and other presence. And so we were constantly looking at each digital channel to see how it was responding. Uh, as well as the website and so forth to make sure that we were optimizing it as we went. And what we actually found was that uh, we were able to meaningfully change our our ROI from, I think it was three to about five or six uh, across all channels. And that varied by channels uh, with that di- varied by digital channel. But the introduction of something outside of the digital framework, whether it was t v or radio, in some cases it might be uh it might be mailers uh, when it's tied effectively to the right reference codes, we were able to perform sales uh, sales attribution very effectively and really hone in on the campaign what- cha- what campaigns worked how would we tweak them and then how what could we do to further explode the channels that were performing the most effectively. Uh, back then, this was a number of years ago, we were using uh, paid search and AdWords to do that. We also married it up with geofencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, as people were looking, as you know, m- many more people look, If uh, I think it's 86% or 90% for services online when they've seen something, uh, the geofencing component to us was very meaningful to get people to our locations. So that's an example of Introducing things that might be external to digital marketing, but then using digital marketing, understanding the notion that it all boats rise within digital, and being nimble enough to to respond, react, and implement uh, ways to further optimize your ROI.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I love that. Um, you know, because I, I think it's so important that when
1: you run offline activities, to see what is the impact on the digital side at the time of of running, in your case, what you said, for example, TV spots, right? Is there a lift there? And and what kind of lift do you see? And does that lift translate into more orders, you know, or or more site engagement, for example? And then what happens with the site engagement? What are people doing then? Where are they they stuck or or where do they leave the site?
0: And I think there's just a, a, it would be an oversight not to mention it. The critical component of all of that, uh, when I say talk about great ideas being lost through bad execution or being realized, the execution in our med spas was through the roof. So all the promises made were delivered, the efficacy, the price value. The teams in our med spas executed flawlessly, and we delivered our brand promise, which then create not, created not only referrals and other streams, of leads that were very high quality that we had never even expected. So closing the loop on execution throughout the sales pipeline uh, obviously is a very big deal. And then there's always learnings and coming back and taking those learnings and applying them to the three C's. Yeah. I I think what you just said, I think is also
1: very interesting, right? Because marketing can pull a lot. However, if what you, from a marketing perspective, promise, uh, is not being delivered from a from a solution from a service perspective, right? Then over time, marketing will fail because then there's a sentiment in the market about your product, your solution, your service offering that there's a mismatch between
0: what what is said and what you actually get. Absolutely, and and Stefan, if if you'll let me, uh, another example of where what you just said. You know, can happen to any company. A number of years ago, I was part of a major retailer with a very powerful brand, and because we 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 actually ran a very significant national TV launch on on some things for the holiday season, and the the spots were were uh, actually received creative awards. were three of the top five spots for holiday um, commercials were won by this company. So, the the entertainment value of the spots was through the roof. Consumers, everybody loved uh, that they were fun, intriguing. It was a great watching experience. The interesting side, though, was that it did not return even a fraction of what the business was hoping to realize. And to this day, I, I believe that that was because the messaging, even though it was fun and and exciting on the in the ads, was disconnected from the real touch points and experience throughout the balance of the business and I think some of the trust was lost with the customers and it didn 't gain the traction and certainly didn 't gain the roi that we had expected so that's that 's an example of um, it's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about making sure that everything's done is aligned with its with the three C's, customer centricity first. Because when you do that, your message is going to resonate, I think, even more powerfully and if it's entertaining, even better.
1: Yeah. 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 Now, when your marketing agent or your digital agency or your in-house marketing team does a good job and, you know, the results are really positive, how would you suggest them approaching their CEO or CFO, to get approval for additional budget?
0: So, uh, I'm a, first of all, I'm a believer that... Uh, I used to drive my fp people crazy. So, I believe the finance team needs to be in all of these conversations. Because one of the things I've learned over the years is marketing is obviously great about with focusing on brand, creative, et cetera. But there's a lot of science, as you know, in marketing. And so, being able to do the channel analysis, the multivariate analysis is critical. And I believe that uh, ability or capacity to do effective piloting multivariate analysis to show where there's incremental value in doing pilots and also being able to discuss where there may be campaigns that we discontinue, I think, allows for there to be a very balanced discussion with finance and the entire leadership team. I think when finance and the FP&A groups are operating at that level of effectiveness, it's pretty easy to talk through under the umbrella of how do we continue to refine and improve the return on marketing. All of a sudden, there's a greater openness and credibility because there's transparency in the data and there's an understanding of how the initiative is tied to what will resonate with the consumer.
1: These days, there's a ton of data available that can provide a deep insight into the effectiveness of a marketing campaign. How have you utilized consumer data to focus and refine marketing?
0: So I would say a couple of things. Uh, My experience is that some of this data resides within CRM and resides within marketing tools. Some of it also resides within competitive intelligence that businesses naturally do. And I think that's one of the missing pieces. Uh, There was a retail company that I joined a number of years back as CEO. And, you know, candidly, we uh, set all of our digital and marketing campaigns around the three things that our consumer told us through tracking studies that we needed to do better. And so the initiatives that we drove were very focused on telling a better story about our pricing, being more reliable on being in stock, and third, having checkouts that were more consumer-friendly. Now, none of this sounds like rocket science, but our relentless focus on those three areas and aligning it with all the digital marketing that we did, all the paper, the print marketing that we did, took a business that had negative five-point comps for over three years and turned it positive to about positive five for about three years going forward. So uh, my belief is that the combination of data that exists outside of marketing, having that being shared to help prioritize the messaging and the approach and the uh, not only digital, but but if there is print and other media that's still being used and marrying that up with the CRM data to really prioritize how we talk to best customers at every touch point. And th- those, are, those are two ways that I look at it. A third dimension of it that I think it will be important as we move forward, uh, there are a lot of businesses who are now touching on uh, AI and predictive modeling. My sense is that being able to use that data to anticipate where consumers are going to go next will be uh, infinitely will give first mover advantage to a lot of players who can already you know move into that space. Uh, and so uh, I believe that's where this ultimately ends up going. And I think there's tactical uses today for AI and predictive modeling, but my sense is that you know the, the leaders and in the industries are thinking how to strategically use that data uh, to position themselves in a healthier way and, and frankly broaden channels and prioritize how they go after omnichannel solutions now
1: throughout this entire conversation, you mentioned a lot of times optimization given the importance of optimization to create Positive outcomes. What are your thoughts and the approach that you, in general, apply to test activities
0: to generate even better results? Sure, uh, I'll, I'll give you a specific example. So, I'm, I'm working with a business now that has struggled a bit in the world of uh, Facebook, if you will, and Google's at Google and the uh, it's not necessarily new, but you know both Facebook and Google uh, are good really good partners as it comes as it relates to you know dynamic optimization of ads which sync up more closely with consumer behavior, which I think a uh, helps uh, helps create more clarity on what matters to drive purchase decisions, but also creates a level of precision that you could never do uh, years ago. And so, those are, those are examples of uh, avenues within channels, uh, the dynamic optimization where I've seen uh, businesses that I'm working with who have greatly improved the level and the quality of their funnel through the dynamic optimization, both in Facebook and Google. Uh, the challenge with that is, because nothing in the world is, is easy, some of those uh, optimization efforts do take away some of the control for brand assets from the business itself because Facebook and google will will do some of that optimization, and so there's that's where conscious decisions will have to be made is the the uh, the financial traction in the funnel does that outweigh some of the i'll call it uh, optimization or tinkering that Facebook Google, and others you know may do to optimize these ads and you know those are personal decisions that each company has to make based upon what they believe or perceive their brand reputation to be. So that's an example of an optimization effort that I was involved with uh, as, a, as an advisor to a company. And interestingly, this particular company opted to not have the more productive um, leads and opted to not have the ads modified, mm-hmm. which was is their prerogative. So we're now going back and looking for what can we do uh, to Amp up referrals and other levers, CRM within the business to generate the same level of, uh, of traction across the funnel, not, but not within those channels. I see.
1: Now, the companies have the option to hire an in house team or enlist an agency to help them with their marketing needs. When is it better to build out a team internally? And when does it make sense to bring in an
0: agency? Uh, that's, it's interesting. I, um, my experience has been, that hybrid solutions typically work best in marketing. My belief is that the time and effort that it takes to build out all the functionality and talent across marketing is pretty tough. So I, I'm a believer in focusing the nucleus on obviously the CMO, having a, you know, a top CMO who's, uh, uh, you know, a dream CMO who's strategic. Uh, strong at execution, great with analytics. I believe, for the most part, I like to have the creative in-house and the consumer insights. And my experience has been, depending upon the talent in the business, to complement the team with digital and or media and or other expertise that we may either not have the the, uh, the procurement leverage or the expertise to do effectively. But I think that's a personal decision scanning the internal and external capabilities. But I am, you know, I believe when you do that, you really have to partner at a level with the agency that has 100% transparency and candor to make sure that the talent that the agency brings to the table uh, will actually get to a different place. And I think if both if both parties can collaborate and focus on numbers, strategy, et cetera, and be and be and have open, healthy discussions that are sometimes painful, that's the ideal. I, I've not really seen any business, uh, and I'm sure there are some that have 100% internal marketing and are able to uh, you know, deliver quality talent and, frankly, applications and tools across the board uh, to do that. So that's that's just my my view on it. I think it's a it's a hybrid solution and. I think it is for most. Mm-hmm.
1: John, thank you so much for joining me on the Performance Lab podcast and sharing your knowledge on marketing partnerships or the view of and on marketing partnerships. If people want to find out more about you or your company or the company you're working for, how can they get in touch?
0: So I would say for now, the best way to, uh, to reach me in all candor would be through my uh, LinkedIn, which sounds painful. I'm operating these days as more of an independent contractor, so uh, if you you look me up on LinkedIn, uh, it's it's an interim consulting title that I have, and I know that may sound cumbersome, but today I'm doing a lot of contracting work, and it's easier than, than referring through my clients. I think that's just trying to be respectful of them as well.
1: Well, thanks everyone for listening. If you like the performance of our podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at symphonichq. Thanks again, and see you
0: next time. Performance delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital.